five, four, three, two, one. I don't even know what's happening. I'm in sport mode, and you're going to fly. That's just exactly how awesome it was, dude. Mighty Mighty Nissan GTR. Five, four, three, two, one. You've got two, the Mustang, one. the Camaro, the Challenger, the Corvette, the Viper. America. Damn, I forgot the bananas. I love this. Five, four, you know, one three, of these days two, I'm going to not one. forget to mute the YouTube stream that I have open live. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Good afternoon. It is Thursday. I mean, it's time for the JobsFeed.com podcast. Sure is. AKA uh, Friday Eve. My beverage. All right, but yes, it is Thursday. It is a TopSpeed.com podcast time. TopSpeed.com is your internet home for all the crazy, cool, and amazing things that have motors and wheels. Bikes, trucks, cars, expensive SUVs, we have them all. Hello, everyone. I'm Christian Moe. Joining me today is our editor-in-chief, Justin Coupler. Hello, Justin. Hello, Christian. I hope everyone's doing fine out there on this wonderful Thursday afternoon. It's Friday Eve. I hope they're doing yes. well. The, just, yes, I also hope they're doing well. I'll learn to talk. Also joining <laughs> us is Mr. Mark McNabb. Hello, Mark. What's up, guys? Things are going pretty well for me, I guess. Good to hear. No complaints, huh? No, no complaints. It's a fantastic day. There you go. All right. I don't have anything silly to start the day off with unless you want me to get my guitar out. So what do you say we jump right into it? You mean we're not going to do our off-topic intro? Wow. I can go back to my my wonderful coffee mug. I have a brand-new coffee mug (laughs) hand-created by a man named Michael Robinson. He is a potter here in the Knoxville area. You can sort of see his name on the bottom of the cup if I don't spill on myself. So thanks to Mike for making me an awesome coffee mug. Yeah, and I, I want to do a shout-out to Target. Thanks for uh, my green mug. Dude, that <laughs> looks like something my grandma would have had like 1972. Yeah, it's retro, you know? It's retro's in, man. <laughs> 80s are back. That's not the 80s, dude. <laughs> Sorry. See, I'm, I'm, I'm taking it one step further. So. All right. Well, then, there, there was, was our, our off-topic topic. for the day. Um I am going to say we're, we're going to try and be quick and on point today with a lot of our news because we have one, two, three, four viewer questions this week, and they're all very good and going to take some time. So I want to make sure we get to those. So let's go ahead and we'll jump right into Weekly Wheels, and we'll start with Mark, who was driving something that was fun and ruined all at the same time. Yes, it was fun because it was an FRS. It was ruined uh, because it had an uh, automated transmission, which is kind of sad, but... Yeah, it's just I need to learn how to play the trombone so I can be like, womp, 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 womp. Well, I've got one sitting over in the corner back there. Maybe I should just play it. I still wonder what was good for Toyota's mind when they said, hmm, we're going to send an FRS to a journalist. Let's send him an automatic. Yeah, I mean, like, I okay, so I understand, like, everyone and their grandmother has reviewed the, uh, the, the Scion FRS with a manual transmission, except for car and driver, they had an automatic. I mean, like, yeah, you need to have the automatic covered, too. And, you know, it's honestly not a terrible transmission. It shifts pretty quickly when you're in sport mode and when you're in the manual shift. And it does have paddle shifters, so um, you can get on it pretty quick. 
and it does go. The only problem is power band, and the power band doesn't start to like 4,500 RPM, and you can't break, you, you can't power break it up to 45 RPM, 4,500 RPMs without pushing the front tires through the through the ground and and just ruining the whole effect. So, yeah, you can't do any power takeoffs or anything like that. Zero to sixty really suffers, but I mean, once you're moving, it's not a bad car. I will say I've driven them both, and I think the next terrible. <laughs> I've seen reviews of both, and I've heard nothing but complaints about. Them. Actually, so that's sort of a lie. I've I've not driven both technically. So I drove a manual BRZ and an automatic FRS. It's the no, same. same. Technically the same thing, but you know. Yeah. But you know, it was so funny like someone left a comment was like um you know, oh man, I, you you probably uh, thought this was going to be a manual when you were going to get the car, uh but then you were so sad to find out it was automatic. And actually that that's what <laughs> happened. <laughs> I I didn't have a chance to get in the car right after I got it and I just passed by. I looked through the window and I'm like, "Oh, yes, manual." Because it had the shift boot, and the shifter was kind of canted off to yeah, the side. It looks like it's manual from. And I'm like, plans. okay, great. Two hours later, I'm like, all right, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go play with this thing around the block. That's no. what happened. I, I, I see Mark. I see Mark get in and drive, seeing cramming his left foot on the ground, trying to find a clutch pedal. Where the hell is the clutch at, guys? <laughs> no, <laughs> that's, 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 that's that's almost exactly what what happened to me. So when I drove my FRS, it was a dealer model, and. Uh, I was at a, a local dealer having with with one of my buddies having his car looked looked at, and I was just peeking over there at the FRS, and I was talking to one of the guys about it, and he's like, "Do you want to take it for a spin?" And he threw me the keys, and I was like, "Yeah," because again, when I walked by, I sort of glanced at him, like that looks like it has a manual. Hell yeah! And he just threw me the keys, and I run over there and I hop in and I slam my foot into the floorboard and go, "Oh shit! There's no clutch." <laughs> it was it was it was a terrible day. I mean, it was it it was still fun and sort of interesting to drive, but it's yeah. the manual. I mean, that's the cars. That's the cars. Worst feature the automatic is it, the power band just isn't reachable unless you're moving, unless you can kick it into first gear and get the RPMs up to 45 to 7,000 RPMs. You're not going to go anywhere fast. I will say this: the automatic is not terrible until you've driven the manual. Oh, I'm sure. I'm it, sure. It's it's one of those you get in it and you're like, you know what? The automatic feels okay. It it, it kind of works at this and. It doesn't give you what you want, but it gives you most of what you're looking for. And then you drive the manual, and you're like, oh, yeah, that's how this is supposed to be. Oh, that's yeah. what I was missing. Yeah. Was yeah no, I, I totally understand, yeah. You had it? I'm sorry, what? I said, was yours broken at all, or did it break in the time that you had it? No, not really. It did have – I mean, it only had like – it had 900 miles on it, but it still had more squeaks and rattles than my 10-year-old 120,000-mile Trailblazer. Yeah. Again, yeah. They, 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 did, they did that entire car backwards. Yeah, but Wait, nothing was design. nothing was broken on it. What did you say? I said tube. I said Subaru. I said Toyota designed it and Subaru built it, which is not the way things should happen. You should have yeah. had Subaru design this awesome sports car and then give it to the people who can really build cars, so that yeah. you have a sports car that lasts for four hundred thousand miles. That's what should have happened, but they did it the other way around. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, there were a lot of build quality issues with it. I mean, the doors kind of tinked. Um, I was not a fan of the the HVAC controls. I thought the car was very well executed. Like, it feels small, nimble, and compact, and like kind of razor's edge. But then I've got these truck-like 
HVAC controls. Clickety, clickety, clickety. Yeah, it's like <laughs> I'm gonna turn the air up, and like it takes my entire hand to click, 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 click. I do appreciate that they're big and easy to reach, though. Yeah, and they are easy, and it doesn't take fumbling through the infotainment center to, you know, change things, which I really can't stand. But you know, overall, it's a good car. This car and the automatic is for that. Um, not to be sexist, but that high school girl that wants a sporty car, and her dad's like, "Here, take this, and you know, sue me later." Yeah. Um, Christian, what are you driving this week? I had the 2014 Range Rover Long Wheelbase Supercharged. <sighs> Isn't that a fantastic car? Um, in a lot of ways, it's so good, and a lot of ways, I really didn't like it. Yeah, um, uh, it's, it's for... so. I don't like it simply because of personal bias. Okay. I made it about 15 feet down the road and wanted to vomit because the whole thing goes heaves and hoes everywhere it goes. <laughs> but once I hit the highway, I'm like, okay, <laughs> I could just set the cruise at 75 miles an hour and live in this thing. Yeah. It's 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 really kind of cool how many cars it is. So, yeah. so it is a luxury limousine. Like a 750L from BMW has nothing on this car. Nothing. This has more room, more leather, more luxuries. I had massaging front seats, everything that you would ever want. And I mean almost every single surface is covered in leather or wood. Almost everything. If it's not yeah. covered in leather or wood, it's made to feel like it's covered in leather. The rear tonneau cover that covers up the back like trunk area covered in leather like everything the door pockets like you grab the door handle to shut the door and the inside of that pocket's usually got like a piece of rubber or a piece of carpet or something in there the leather from the door went all the way down and wrapped into the bottom so the inside of the door handle is leather like yeah. everything is leather if it's not it's wood or metal it's amazing yeah and so you have the luxury thing down and then it really is like a master off-road machine so people are like, eh, it can't be off-road because it's luxury, blah, 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 blah. It has real locking diffs, just like you get in a Jeep. It has the train response system, just like you get in, uh, I believe the Grand Cherokee has one, and the uh, Ford Explorer has that sort of same kind of system, but Land Rover started it. Yeah, they and, did. Um, I have 11.67 inches of ground clearance when the suspension is set to its highest. That That's is fantastic. an inch and a half more than I had in the Wrangler Rubicon. That's fantastic. So I can I can drive over bigger boulders essentially than I could in the freaking Wrangler with this thing. Like it's a real off-road machine, even though it's one hundred twenty thousand dollars and ninety-five feet long. So like that's cool. And then you have that engine because it's the long wheelbase version. They all come with the supercharged V eight. So five hundred and ten ponies. And anytime you want to, you're just like, I want to be there now. And you just stand on the pedal and you go, whoosh, and you're there. It's, it's, it's awesome. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed the time that I spent in uh, the Range Rover that I had. Uh, it was the shorter wheelbase. And, you know, I find it funny. Like, I never had any, like, motion sickness at all in this car. Like, it felt very, very planted the whole time. In fact, um, I just got out of a big Lexus GX SUV, and this exhibited way more body roll than the uh, Range Rover ever did. Um, so I, it might be a difference between the short and the extended wheelbase, so I don't know. Well, that and the Lexus is a truck. Well, yes, but I'm saying like... The Lexus is built on the Titan Black. Yeah. 
so that doesn't help things. Yeah. Um, I mean, it. I've been in worse SUVs, yes, but considering I have a 500 horsepower supercharged V8 underneath my right foot, it was more than I expected. Yeah, it's you pretty know, awesome. It's, that's that's sort of the thing, and I am a little susceptible to it. Again, the roads I'm I'm on are not just curvy; they're very undulating, like. Every single turn is banks. Like you go up and to the right and down. I mean, it's every road is sort of like that everywhere you go. So there's lots of ups and downs. There's lots of lefts and rights. The road just sort of heaves and wobbles because it's just sort of paved over the landscape to get to where you're going. So I, I I understand that I'm in a weird sort of position for that. And I also prefer extremely stiff cars. Like I drove like my my 944 had busted suspension. Like no rebound at all, just locked in the lower position because the shocks were fried, and I drove that thing for two and a half years and thought it was perfect. So I'm, my preferences are skewed, and I will admit that my preferences are skewed, but aside from it costs more money than this house you see me sitting in, and it, you know, kind of heaves and hoes and makes me want to vomit, it's pretty close to perfect. Yeah. Now, did you get to try the rear seat entertainment system? I did, and I don't have the same complaints you did because I found the magic tool to fix all the problems. It's called the oh, damn yes. remote control. Really? Mm-hmm. Because all I had See, to I do, tried that. All I had to do was pull the remote control out of the back little pocket where it holds, and you hit the power on button, and then you hit the video button, and then it just works. Wow. See, my complaint was that every time I I, I turned the car on, I had to reset. I had to tell the the navigator or the infotainment system what source, what output, and um, like what uh, what screen I wanted it to play on. Every time I got out of the car and turned it back on, I had to do that. Yeah. So so, so the remote has a button for each screen. So you hit the screen you want, and then you hit the power button to turn that screen on, and then you just hit the video button. And then I was using the headphones, and the and the headphones actually have their own selection switch on them. Yeah. Side and so it would be like if it was playing radio, I just tap the button and then it would play the movie sound. Yeah. Well, see, I had it, I had it done over the entire speaker of the car. That way, I could hear what was going on if it was, you know, still playing or whatever like that. And my two-year-old's not gonna have headphones on her head. Oh, those are I, gonna break anyway. I, so. I sat in the car one afternoon and watched half half of a movie just with the air conditioning running. Whatever. <laughs> I had the seat air somehow, conditioning on, and um, so the rear seats power lean and power lumbar. Yes. Pretty fantastic. So I was like, okay, lean that back just a little bit, a little more there on my back. Ah, put the headphones on. I just sat there and watched the movie. Is the massaging feature like the best in the world? You know, I didn't, I, I didn't like like the massage. No? Wow, I thought it was good. See, it's all adjustable. Like you can, you control how firm or how soft it, it what, is. So it never went deep, deep enough, and <laughs> it never went high enough. So like, I never have issues out of my lower back like, pain or tightness or anything. It's all, like, up in my shoulders. And, like, the massage would come up, and it stops just right about your shoulder blades. So I'm like, right, right, oh, oh, oh it's, it's, okay, it's gone. That's when you do the gangster lady. Just lean back. <laughs> oh, there we go. Yeah. Yeah, no, I can't. I, see, I've, I've always thought massaging seats in cars are a little bit weird and maybe a tad bit deceptive. It, it's like the people that tell you the massaging chairs for your house. Like they don't really massaging chairs. They kind of rub you with a bar. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, that's kind of great. Like, 
let me just get really comfortable in the front seat of my luxury car so I can fall asleep and crash into a pole. Exactly. That's your other downside to the whole thing. My it's kind of funny. It's kind of funny hearing you guys go back close to five thousand pounds. Actually, I'd, I'd say probably close, ways, ways close to six thousand pounds. I, it I would just go through the pole. I looked through Range Rover's site and they don't list the weight. Strangely. I know it's a very aluminum-heavy build construction in the body and the frame and all that stuff, but seriously, that thing is massive. I kind of want to say I looked up the weight on mine, and I actually found it, Um, and I want to say it weighs just about the same as my Trailblazer, which is about uh, 4,800 pounds or something like that. Your Trailblazer weighs 4,800 pounds? That's a big boy. (laughs) It's not that big for an SUV, body on frame. No. Yeah, holy crap, man. That is... Wow. <laughs> I drive mainly you know, cars, okay? You know how much the hybrid RX weighs? It's a hybrid. It doesn't matter. It's like 4,100 <laughs> pounds. So you have a Lexus with all the leather and all the wood and all the batteries, and it's like half, it's like six or 700 pounds lighter than your freaking car. It's all good. Just wow. All right. Anyways, Range Rover, very expensive, very luxurious, but we're gonna move on. Yeah. Well, actually, it, let's move on and talk about more off-road machines. Yeah, I was gonna say. Um, uh, so one one more thing on the uh, the Range Rover. I thought it was so funny. It has a cooled chill box in the center console for your yeah. your great pecan mustard. <laughs> and, and, and when you said Chillbox the first time when, when we were talking about this a few months back, yeah, speaking of which, a few months, this is our six-month anniversary. How nuts is that? Um, when when you were like, oh, I've got a Chillbox, I thought, well, okay, I've got one in my Golf. It's just the glove box has an air conditioning hole in it that I can turn open, and it floods the glove box with air conditioning to keep it cold. No, no, these things have, like, a fridge. Yeah. Like, like, like an actual, you push a button to turn it on, there's no airflow there is what looks like a cooler that gets colder than freaking ice when the car is running. It's awesome. That's really cool. Yeah, my, my Kia has that cool glove boxing. Yeah, it's just a basically just an AC vent in the glove box that keeps my owner's manual nice and cool. Yeah, yeah no, there's a switch. You turn the switch on, and inside the center console, like halfway down, it's white plastic like you would get in a cooler, and it gets frigid, frigid to the touch. Yeah, it's pretty cool. The only so anyway, problem I have with it is it's not deep enough to hold a bottle of champagne. Oh darn! What's a man to do? I mean, I'm I'm, I'm rolling around in a hundred twenty thousand dollar limo. I I I want a place to put my champagne, to keep chilling. Need, need to be oh. popping that crystal, right? By the by the way, just for you guys for clarity, the curb weight on the Range Rover Long Wheelbase Supercharged two thousand four hundred thirteen kilograms. So twenty four hundred kilograms is over five grand. Uh, fifty six hundred. Fifty six. I think it's a little. Because it's because it's two point two, not yeah, just two point two one. Yeah. So, uh, what would you say the weight was in kilograms? Twenty four. Hang on one second. Uh, twenty four thirteen. I'm pulling it up right now. Two four one three would be five thousand three hundred nineteen point seven five pounds. Oh, uh, that's heavy. Uh, and it'll still do zero to, zero to 60 in five and a half seconds. Yeah. <laughs> Which I confirmed multiple times. That's what we call athletic fat. <laughs> yeah. I call that quick and chunky. Oh, Halty says, hey. Hi, Halty. Hi, Halty. Hello, Halty. All right. So speaking Mark, of athletic... Top five yes. off, off-roaders, please. Yeah, speaking of athletic fat, 
I've got some uh, off-roaders here that are pretty uh, fantastic. Um, so I wrote this piece, top five off-roaders. It's, it, you know, it's really cool. It's just kind of my opinion of like what I think the best top five off-roaders are, obviously. That's kind of the name of the article. So in fifth place, drumroll, um, the Toyota 4Runner. Um, I had this car a couple – it's actually – gosh, it's been a while now. But uh, the thing is really solid. Body-on-frame SUV, 4.0 liter V6. I had some pretty good off-road tech to it, locking diffs, manual <laughs> – Transfer case, all that good stuff. So. I think a lot of people overlook the Ford Runner. I think it, I, I think, do too. I think it really gets just lost in the mix of SUVs. Yeah, because I don't know that Toyota really like pushes like the trail editions that much. It doesn't seem like they say, "Hey, look, this thing is off-road worthy." It really, really is. Even on stock tires, I was able to, I was able to get through some pretty deep, uh, sandy pits and uh, see, muddy is, roads and stuff like that. Actually, the only thing on your list that I don't agree with, I would have really? put. Yeah, I, I would have chosen the Xterra. Yeah, you know, I sat and I thought about it for a while, and I'm like, you know, I haven't driven the Xterra, so I can't really say. The Xterra is good, but I don't think it's got the same ground clearance and the same um, mechanics as the 4Runner. Like, it doesn't have a locking diff. I'm really surprised with what you can get, and I like that the Xterra has more aftermarket. Like, for, for me, that's, that's actually the biggest thing, is the aftermarket for the Xterra is... Massive, like really okay. deep, big. Wow. See, you know, and that's that's that'll be coming into a factor later into the the broadcast. But you know, I thought the 400 is a pretty good deal. Um, you know, it's it's a it's a good a solid uh, solid SUV. Plus, it's you know, it is kind of expensive at thirty six seven. So, speaking yeah. of expensive though, <laughs> uh, the Land Rover LR four. And before everybody starts wigging out and say, well, why didn't you pick the Range Rover? Well. Am I really going to take my $120,000 SUV off-roading? No, I'll take my $50,000 LR4. Yeah. For those overseas, that's the Discovery. Yes, the Disco. So it still has that same terrain response system that lowers and uh, raises suspension with air and all that good stuff. It's got the Z8 8-speed transmission. You can get uh, some pretty decent engines in it. So, I mean, yeah, it's it's a great off-road car. And one thing I love about the LR4 is it still looks like a Land Rover. Yes. They haven't, they haven't messed with it yet. They haven't meddled much at the outside. It looks like how it, similar to what it looked like all those years ago. Yeah, it looks like the proper, like the Disco 3, um, mm-hmm. you know, back in the day. And, Cyprian says hello, by the way. Oh, hello, Cyprian. Hello, Cyprian. Get to work. <laughs> no, enjoy our beautiful voices. While you're working. Yes. While you're working. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, third place goes to the Power Wagon. Now, I have a special special place in my heart for the Power Wagon. I think it's like the most manly off-roading vehicle ever devised by mankind because it's a it's a heavy-duty truck. It's got all the heavy-duty suspension stuff. It's got a 12,000-pound winch in the bumper. Like, I like that. How do you, how do you argue against that? Oh, and you can't argue against a power wheel. When I saw that on there, I'm like, yeah, he knows what he's talking about. Yeah, I mean, like, I remember many years ago, like the old Dodge Power Wagon back in like the yeah. late, I think it's either the mid or late 80s, like the 80s, big yeah. fat tires and a big chunky body. I mean, it was just yeah. an awesome machine. I love this truck. Yeah, I mean, it's got locking front and rear diffs. It's got uh, electronic uh, sway bar disconnect, like the Jeep Wrangler. And um, it's. I imagine this truck would be perfect for like a logging company who needs to get somewhere that no one's ever been before, but needs to pull a heavy load after that. 
and you can still tow like 10,000 pounds with this truck, so it's it's fantastic. Right, yeah. My my See, and that's the thing about like off, off-roading is people ask me if I took the Wrangler like rock crawling. I'm like, no, I went and found a muddy bog to drive through because I think that's more fun. Um, is there's like two levels of sort of off-roading, and if you wanted to try and take the power wagon like up a really steep rocky trail, it'd be freaking terrible because it's too long. But if you need to trundle through a forest and haul a house out of it afterwards, like yeah, yeah, that's where it's at. Um, and everyone wonders why they don't put the Cummins uh, diesel in the power wagon. Well, it's because they can't fit the intercooler in the bumper because that's where the winch is at, and they don't want to sell the power wagon without the winch. So it's kind of a chicken or the egg thing. So they only sell it with the uh, the 6.4 liter Hemi. Yeah, really, if you're if a bit for you. Yeah, do you really need uh, anything more than that in this truck? I mean, you're not. This isn't the kind of truck you're going to hook up a a 20,000 pound trailer to the back and then pull it. It's no. not that kind of truck. Yeah, the but, trailer will not make it through the mud. Yeah, the torque would be that as well. <laughs> <laughs> that might be a fun task, huh? Yeah, I, I, I you know, Dodge. If you I've want to see a power wagon, the mud, that is not a fun task at all. Hey, twelve thousand pound winch, my friend. Still a trailer stuck in the mud. Uh, anyway, so okay, so you have the slow and steady um, power wagon, which is really fun. But then you've got the Jackrabbit Ford Raptor, which is kind of the opposite end of the spectrum, and well. I chose the Raptor to go ahead of the Power Wagon because you can still do slow off-road stuff with the Raptor, but you can't do the high-speed stuff with the Power Wagon. So that's kind of why I chose that. Any comments on that, guys? I agree with that. Yeah, that 100%. 100%. You can take the, the, the Raptor desert running if you want to. The the, uh, the Dodge, on the other hand, isn't really set up for that kind of stuff. I love no. the idea with the forward that you could point in any direction and go, I'm going to go that way at 120 miles an hour, and the truck just goes, all right. Whatever you want, man. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty fantastic. But, you know, the Raptor in all its glory, it still holds second place to something that holds an even bigger special place in my heart, and that is the Jeep Wrangler. And um, Christian, back to the aftermarket stuff. That's one of the reasons I really chose this vehicle is because it's got such a huge aftermarket uh, following to it. I mean, if you if you wanted to, you could build an entire Wrangler out of aftermarket parts. Literally. Yeah. Like hoods, fenders, tires, wheels, doors, interiors, wiring harnesses, rebuilt engines. Every single part on a Jeep is replaceable with aftermarket parts. You know what? The aftermarket's actually my biggest complaint about the Rubicon. Why? So the Rubicon is essentially set up like you would if you bought a base Wrangler Sport and added all the bits you wanted. It's got the bigger wheels and tires. It's got the Dana 44 axles. It's got all that extra stuff. It's got the steel bumpers. Like It's all the things that you would add later if you bought a dead base Jeep. And my thing is, is if you have the money to buy a Rubicon, you probably don't want to buy it to go off-road. People that want to go off-road are usually younger, a little more spry, little, let's be honest, kind of stupid in a lot of ways because you want to buy a car, build it up, spend all this money, and then go roll it down a hill a couple times and start over again. So we can only – like, that's what I want to do. And so we can only afford the cheap one, and then we add all the bits. So you can buy well, one with all the bits, but when you have that much money, you're probably not going to use it off-road, and that makes me sad. Nah, I disagree. I think there there's, there's a big enough following that has enough money to throw at stuff like this. 
and they buy a Rubicon, and then they put 35-inch tires on it or 37-inch tires with a 4-inch lift kit. They go to AEV, and they get an AEV pumper put on and a snorkel kit, and they get a better best top, and then they get uh, uh, steel hinge doors, um, and they do all the stuff to it that is even far and above the Rubicon level. I guess so. I, I guess my my experience is, is just different. I know dozens and dozens of people that own Jeeps, and I know at least a dozen and a half that have Rub- that, that that have the rubies. Only two have ever taken them off road. Now, one of them, he's he's sent sold sold his, but he took his like hardcore off road all the time because that's why he bought the Rubicon. And the other guy, he does it sometimes, but on a frequent enough basis that I could say the purchase was justified. But almost everyone else I know with a Rubicon just drives around town. In well, fact, I, 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 honestly, I honestly know one person whose Rubicon has never even seen a gravel road. That's sad. That's a waste. That's like buying a Z28 and like driving it to work every day. <laughs> well, I mean, as long as there's a lot of off-ramps between here and there. No, it's like it's like driving a ZL1 through New York City every day of the week. Oh, yeah, no, that's pretty terrible. That's exactly what this is like. It's right. a purpose-built vehicle for a purpose that you're not using it for, and you're suffering for it too because the Jeep really isn't that comfortable of a car. Oh, it's a terrible car. They suck gas. I mean, <laughs> it's a, yeah. It kind of goes back to the idea of the Fiat 5, 500 Abarth. I'm like, if you take a step back and very subjectively and numbers-based say what makes a good car, the Jeep is one of the worst cars ever created in the history of ever. If you want something that's fun and has a purpose, Jeep's great. Just like yeah. if, if you want something fun that has a purpose, is great. But for a human being, a normal person, like, no, it's awful. No. Because, I mean, it's not secure at all. If someone wants your stuff... They just slit your top, or they are smart enough to unzip it. But so you don't um, have to cut it; you just undo the zipper. Yeah, I mean, like, there's so much about the Jeep that really isn't good for everyday driving. But it makes a perfect weekend toy, the perfect getaway car. Or I mean, it's just, it's awesome. So that's that's my list. And if you disagree, then well, you suck. Yeah, then you're probably I've, wrong. How many how many comments have you gotten on that thing? So oh, there were a ton on that. Um, one. At least uh, 13, 20, something like that. Oh, and I got a lot of comments like, "Where's the G, uh, the uh, Mercedes six by six? And I'm like, "Well, uh, let's see. If I had four hundred thousand dollars to blow on a car, that's longer than my house. That weighs more than my house. It would be six by six. Sure, the six by six is great, <laughs> but as soon as I get into deep mud, that thing's gonna sink all the way to the bottom of the earth." And, and never be seen again. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and we're going to move on, and we're going to yeah. talk about one of my favorite stories from the week because I, I, I love this sort of stuff. Now, I know a lot of you guys have probably heard and seen, like when the new Xboxes came out or, or something, that there would be people who would be, just be buying empty boxes on eBay for like $100. It's just like this is, this is just the box the Xbox came in or the PlayStation came in. There's nothing in it. It's just an empty box, but they still charge like 100 or 150 bucks, and people pay this. Now imagine if you took that and went from here to like here with that idea. Um, then you sort of get 
what happened next? Do you want to give them some details, Justin? Yeah, um, so we were scouring around the interwebs and came across a display-only BMW i8. <laughs> what this is, is this dealership went to BMW and said, hey, BMW, you are selling display models of the i8, and we want one in our store uh, to drum up business without having to actually bring in a, an i8 and let it sit there. This thing is made of fiberglass, paint, and maybe a tiny bit of metal, Rolls on casters, no engine, no interior. The trunk doesn't open. It's all blacked out. You can't see inside of it. And it was on sale on eBay for $18,000. At least that's what the bid was at, $18,000. Someone was willing to pay. But a quick, and this doesn't even include the cool little background, the BMW i background. doesn't include any of that. But here's even better. It's a hollow shell of a car. Hollow shell weighs about 500 pounds, but it is almost the exact same size as the actual i8. Woohoo! Well... It turns out today, actually, because I'm watching the item on eBay so I can update people, just before the podcast I looked, and it was actually ended, then relisted, and was set at a dollar. And there are like, there's like a bidder that had a dollar on it. And just now, literally just a few seconds ago, I checked it again because I knew I was getting called up for it. The bid has mysteriously ended. So I'm not too sure what exactly happened if they got someone to walk into the store with a whole buttload of cash that said, I want to buy that now. Or if they said, yeah, no, what, we've gotten some bad press. We're just going to take it down and maybe sell it privately. But it obviously did not sell on eBay because it was at a buck, of course, and it ended at a buck. Um, I was weren't... about to say, if it's a dollar, hold on, I'm going to bid. Ten. Yeah, I was like, hmm, I might just bid on this thing. I wouldn't give you a dollar for that because then that would mean I would have to go out somewhere and, and pick this thing up <laughs> and then store it. What am I going to do with a, a, a hollow shell of a car that doesn't run? Well, so I've got a truck in the driveway this week, so I'm like, I need something to haul. <laughs> Let me put 500 pounds on a trailer. And, and then you'd probably write it off on your taxes this year, wouldn't you? I could totally do that. Well, too bad it's gone. It's ended. But, um, yeah, they, they made it clear. At least they weren't being deceptive like many years ago, like Christian was talking about the Xbox 360. People were selling the Xbox 360 just Xbox box. So it seemed like a typo, but actually it was the box, and they're getting away selling it for several hundred dollars. Uh, they're at least honest and, and said, hey, this is just a display only. It doesn't run. It rolls on casters. Um, but it does have a purpose. I mean, someone who, I don't know, stages very high-end houses, I guess maybe a million-dollar house. If you're selling a million-dollar house, it's a nice stage item to put in the, in the driveway, maybe. But it's worth it. That's actually a really good reason. Yeah, but like, – That's it, actually legit. Yeah, that's like the only yeah, legit actually. reason. Uh, or if you have a very upscale bar, you could maybe throw it in an upscale bar. Um, those are about the only two real purposes I can think or, of. Or if it's a slow night at the valet, you can just roll the A couple of guys made really cool comments. They're like, oh, yeah, I just tell people, yeah, I forgot the keys or I lost the keys or whatever. <laughs> but, but, hey, it is a zero-emissions vehicle. So sure, it's something to go for. At yeah. least it's somewhat related to the i8. It is a good mock-up. It really is. It's damn close to the actual car. The headlights do work. Ooh, uh, yeah, yeah. That's 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 ten grand right there in the headlights alone. <laughs> I mean, it might be a fair bit of money actually. In just the that's true. But I'm sure they're not actually the the uh, laser headlights. It's probably just some weird LED strips that make it look fancy. That's probably about it. Probably. But it's a cool. Novel item, novelty item. Like if they are selling it for fifteen hundred, maybe two thousand bucks, it'd be really awesome. But once it hits eighteen thousand bucks, it gets kind of in that absurd range. Like I'd like to go buy a real car. I've thought of another yeah. use for that thing. 
what if you are a very rich person that has a very tiny area to build a house and you're going to buy an IA and you want to make sure you get the garage just the exact right size? You could sort of buy that to, 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 to judge that you can, you know... You know, of... measure, measurements work too. I'm sure BMW lists that on their website. Well, no, you because you to your contract. So you just want to buy one that'll fit to just double check. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. It's a, a perfect use of money. <laughs> you know what? I've seen smarter people do stupider things with money. This is true. Or, um, or, or Hollywood could, like, you know, have an action sequence where something falls on it and blows it up. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be kind of neat. Yeah, but I'm curious. Well, I'm wondering if the tires are actually rubber because I'm looking at the the picture and they, they look very. The, the tires look real, so I'm curious if maybe the tires are actually rubber. Maybe there's some value there. So you could buy it for five hundred bucks and maybe make a hundred dollars after you get rid of the rubber and the LEDs in the front. Hey, there you go. That's smart thinking. All right. <laughs> you know, or if you own an i8 and you need a new set of tires. Hey. Uh, bucks. I don't know if those will be the same spec tire you might get. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they probably called Michelin and said, hey, make us the cheapest possible tires you can. we got to slap them on this thing. All right, well, let's talk about more stupidity, um, and let's discuss Mercedes throwing a giant – well, not it's not a giant SUV, but throwing an SUV around the Nürburgring because apparently now you just must take everything around the Nürburgring. Yeah, yeah. You know, Nürburgring aside, like – I just don't understand what Mercedes is thinking. If they would take a look at BMW X6 sales, they would realize that they don't sell any of these things and that making this is pointless, like literally pointless. Who wants to buy a Mercedes version of a BMW X6? I don't I don't no understand why, why anybody wants to buy like, – like all of those. Like, oh, hey, let's make the X6. What do you mean? What is what is an X6? Okay, okay. So here's here's my, my business plan. We're going to take the X5. We're going to make it a little uglier, a little less practical, way more expensive, and it's going to use more fuel. Oh, wait a And minute. you can't go off-road. You can't tow anything, and you can't put anything in the back. But it's great. Right, right, right again. So so take, take right. the X5, make it worse in every way, and charge more money for it. Yeah, rich, people, rich people will line up to buy it. <laughs> Every every single time, every, every time I see one of those driving down the road, I just want to roll my window down and tap on there and say, "What are you thinking? What what's the point? I mean, you can fit your children in the back. That's about it. Full grown adults ducking down like this in the back seat. <laughs> yeah, like if you want if you want something that is sporty, that can handle foul weather, you need to buy a three series wagon. In the X Drive. Well, that's only if you have a BMW, or you could just buy anything from Audi. Yeah. Okay, so I'm looking here on my reference site. In 2013, BMW sold 5,549 X6 vehicles <laughs> in the US. I expected actually. Oh wow, that's the most they've ever sold in the US is 2010 at 6,200. Ouch. So basically, they've sold maybe 30,000 of these things total in six or seven years? Yeah. Uh, 2008, they came out 4,500, uh, 2009, 4,700, 2010, or yeah, 2010, 6,200, 6,100, 
Yeah, well, I guarantee I, I don't know. Though, they're making money hand over freaking fist. On oh, I'm sure profits are great on this thing. Probably did not cost them very much to engineer it and make it. No. So I am I, maybe that's what Mercedes is thinking, but I just it's it's basically a neutered SUV. Yeah, you know? you're, you're seeing a lot of this from Mercedes and BMW and, and a little bit from the other brands of just like, okay, these guys made it, so now we have to do it. Though I don't care about a business plan. Just they made it, so now we have to do it. Okay. You have to okay, have, have the competitors. I mean, it's just. And my thing is, like, BMW is on the streak right now where they want to fill every niche market. Oh, God. Like, every niche market. Okay, it's a compact, midsize, wide edition market. Okay? All right, yeah. guys. With a convertible. <laughs> we need to con- compete in the midsize cross cabaret. But it's three feet wider. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I swear, if they come out the four door convertible next, I'm just going to ban BMW from, it, from the site ever. <laughs> Like I could just see it. Hey, like, it's a four-door convertible. Ah. Yeah. I'm just I'm already pissed off enough about the four series and six series grand coupes. I like, know. Oh, so okay. Dumb. We're gonna so change annoying. everything to make it to make it easy for every human being. If it's got an even number, it's only two doors. If it has an odd number, it's four doors. But here's Except for these two even numbers with four doors that we just made. When when that came out, I all I I was livid. I was like, really? Okay, you guys. Yeah, they simplified it. Okay. Four series two door, excellent. I know what to write now. Now I don't have to go three series coupe, three series sedan. Great, wonderful. Oh hey, here's here's a coupe. <laughs> yeah. it, it looks like it looks like they had a, like a three series sedan, and they put a really big monkey in the back of it. it got really pissed off, and he was like, "Whoo!" and he's like beating on the back of it. Because it looks like it's just like deformed back there. It looks so stupid. Hey Justin, um, we need to fire Cyprian immediately. Uh-oh, what'd he do? He just posted in our comments, Audi needs a Q6. Supreme, <laughs> clock out, go home. <laughs> I'll talk to you later. <laughs> Bad, Supreme. That's uh, terrible. All right, let's... Yeah, let's evil, let's evil man. To, let's, let's move on to a different SUV now. Uh, let's yeah. move on to... I'm, I'm glad that we, we talked about the Mercedes SUV, mostly about BMW. So, yeah, that's covered. Yeah. <laughs> Justin, Whatever. They're all useless and pointless. Yeah. Justin, talk to me about a Volvo that you think is pretty. Okay, something that's not quite as useless and ugly uh, no, is, awesome. the, is a new Volvo XC90. Uh, fortunately, Volvo does not make a coupe, sedan, slash SUV crossover turd. With they seven make, doors. Yes. They make SUVs when they do make them. Um, granted, they haven't been the greatest lookers in recent years, uh, so this is like a blessing to see. Um, the XC90, they, there are some leaks on it, uh, so Volvo just said, okay, what the hell, here guys, here's all the information, take it and run with it. Um, it's actually very, very nice. It's very un-Volvo-like. Uh, from the side, it still has the, the Volvo look. You know it's a Volvo from the side, you know it's a Volvo from the back just because of the taillights. But up front, the new Thor's Hammer LED lighting, that thing is just, I love that. And supposedly, from what I'm hearing, it's going to make it across the lineup throughout the next decade or so, whenever they redesign each car, you're going to get the Thor's, uh, the Thor's LED uh, headlights. Um, the coolest thing is the engine lineup. Uh, they have a 316 horsepower, 2.0 liter with a supercharger and a turbocharger. Twin charge for life. Yes. I remember many, many years ago... Um, I used to have a Hyundai Accent. Um, it's a 1999, and there's a guy in Australia 
they called an Excel down there, but he claimed he had a supercharged and turbocharged version. And everybody and their mother said, it's impossible. You can't do that. You can't do that. I was one of the few people that said, yes, you can. And well, here you go. Yes, you can. Uh, it's not overly powerful, 316 horsepower, but when you consider it's a 2.0 liter four-cylinder, that's a whole hell of a lot of power, believe it or yeah. not. And you got the supercharger taking care of the low revs, the turbocharger and the high revs, so you don't have any real turbo lag. It's just it's a beautiful combination. Yeah. But then you have the twin engine plug-in hybrid, which is amazing. It's called the T8 hybrid, 400 horsepower and 472 pound-feet of torque. This thing is going to be a rocket, uh, unlike any Volvo we've really seen before, uh, and an SUV, of course. But see, that's a lie. Volvo yeah, made the yeah. 50R, and it was amazing. Yeah, yeah, they had the, the, the 50R, they had the, uh, and the Polestar editions of things. I mean, in their SUV yeah. line, this is unlike anything we've really seen from them before. Uh, they've had their V8s and things like that, but this is something new. Uh, they didn't really get into uh, uh, specifications for a fuel economy, so you don't know what it's going to do. But it has that same four-cylinder, the dual-charged four-cylinder up front, and then the electric motor in the back. So it's, of course, going to be all-wheel drive and just a whole hell of a lot of fun. Um, the biggest thing here, though, is a new design. Volvo is finally going a new direction with their design. No more of that big, chunky, blocky front end and uh, grill that hangs out. No more of that. It still is reminiscent of that look, but it's modernized. Uh, they didn't completely throw it away. They still have the uh, the crossbar grill and all that stuff. Um, it's just kind of revolutionized, which I think is a really nice touch. And yeah. they're going to kind of evolve their entire lineup. Instead of completely saying, okay, we're starting all over again, they're just going to kind of evolve it and make it look like it doesn't belong in the late 1990s. <clears throat> yeah, it's definitely evolutionary rather than revolutionary. And, you know, it's so funny to think, like, that XC90, that came out in, like, what? 1998 or something like that, and yeah. it literally has been in production since, well, a couple months ago. Well, there's been, like, two refreshes, I think, though. Yeah, like, but a whole like, refresh. Minor. Same general body. Minor. Yeah. Like, if you put them side by side, you'd be like, okay, now, okay, that's, the, yeah, they, yeah, that's the older one, and that's the new one, right? Yeah, actually, it really came out close. It came out in the U.S. It may have been over in Europe. I'm not sure, but it came out in 2003 in the U.S. And yeah, really? I'm looking at, yeah, and I'm looking at the body. I it was so much older than that. It, I, it may have been I, older I, in Europe. Someone might be, or it, at least it might have been announced at an auto show in like '99, maybe. I yeah, thought it was a late '90s too. Yeah, it's possible. But yeah, basically looking at the pictures for throughout the years, it's basically been the same since 2003. <laughs> Yeah. Not much variation in it. Not much. Also, else. by the way, I didn't know you had issues with people thinking twin charging was a stupid idea in the late nineties. Do you know when the first twin twin charger system was employed? Oh, I'm sure as well before then. It was by Lancia in the eighties. Yeah, yeah. That's why the, I, I rally car. Yeah, and I'd seen it before in other cars. I knew it wasn't an issue. Um, I was just surprised other people were 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 having issue with the guy saying he he twin charged it. It's like I say, it's not a big deal. You can do that. Yeah, but one gets the, uh, driven off the engine, the other's driven off the exhaust gases. Yep. The but, but yeah, the Lancia Delta Group B rally car, which is one of my favorite cars of all time, had had a twin charging system. Mhm. Mm like eighty four, eighty five, maybe eighty six, something, something like that. Yeah. That's pretty cool. 
but yeah, I mean, overall, it it's, looks awesome. Uh, I can't wait to get all the information. We don't know what engines we're getting exactly. They only mentioned the two. But there are a pair of diesel engines and one T5 engine that kind of spans between the diesel and the T6. I'm pretty sure we're going to get the T5 turbo as the base engine because it's 254 horsepower. Then the T6 will be the mid-range, and then the T8 will, of course, be the range stopper. The yeah. two D5 and D4 turbos, we probably won't see those at launch. Um, so it'll probably take a few years for us to get up to speed with the whole uh, whole diesel things. We're still lagging behind Europe on that. Gotta love it, right? You yeah. Know, I, you know, I really don't think this thing is that pretty, to be honest. Really? Yeah. I mean, I'm talking relative. I like the new headlights. I really like the new headlights. But other than that, it looks really boring. Like, if you were to just cover the nose, like, could you tell me if that was not an Audi Q7 or a VW Touareg or something? I can't. I think it kind of looks like a Kia Sorento, a pillar back. I mean, it's uh, in, yeah. the three, in the front three-quarter view. Yeah. Yeah, I can. I can see your your complaint there. I like but, the new headlights are awesome, and I like the really squared, bulgy sort of muscular nose they've put on it. Mm-hmm. But the rest of it, I think, is really kind of boring, and I wanted a little bit more. I don't know. I I guess it's more the relative beauty compared to years past. Maybe that's the, I don't know. the shock I, to me. For some reason, I really like the old XC90, but I think maybe I'm just broken on the inside. Yeah, yeah but but also, if you look at the have you looked at the interior pictures of this thing yet? I've looked at a couple. Yeah, oh, the it's interior fantastic. is gorgeous, and there's no no arguing that. Now let me let me throw this out here. Does that center stack look familiar to you guys at all? I don't know. I just closed out all the stuff. Um, it kind of is BMW like. No, think. I'm thinking I'm like. Looking, I'm looking at the. I'm like, looking at the gear shifter. I'm sorry. I'm oh yeah, the center like the infotainment center and the, the two uh, air air vents. Ah, see, I can't think of anything offhand. That Hold on, let me pull it back up. Jeep Grand Cherokee. Oh. Like straight up. Oh 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 yeah! I think I see what you're talking about. Yeah, like that's a massive. That's like a that's like an eight and a half by eleven inch screen. But it kind of looks like a Chrysler. Yeah, I can tell how the vents kind of flank it. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not a complaint. I think I think it looks fantastic, and the the build quality looks amazing. Like some yeah. of the close-in pictures, it mm-hmm. looks like everything is made from like platinum and titanium and um like gold encrusted awesomeness. I yeah. think that's a bit of hyperbole. <laughs> Right, let's move on to something that I think no. is actually cool and interesting. And that oh, yeah, and I, oh, sure. by the way, I'm looking at the Jeep Grand Cherokee center stack right th- right now. Oh yeah. yeah, you nailed it. You nailed it. Yeah, I'm telling <laughs> it you, it is that's a spinning is. image. <laughs> no one cares about SUVs. We've talked too much about SUVs. Let's talk about things that are fun and go fast. Okay. No, SUVs, SUVs are awesome because you can haul your kids. No, SUVs fast. are terrible. And what I'm about to talk about, you can haul your kids in too, and you don't have to be a stupid twat to buy one. Okay. Oh my God, I hate SUVs. I, I do. I hate them so bad. Um, we're gonna talk about Ford Focus RS. Yes. So four doors, lots of horsepowers, lots of rooms because it's a hatchback, and um, they're discussing ag- again high, high horsepower, 350 or so, and all-wheel drive. Um, when those rumors first came out, again, I said this is the stupidest thing in the world. I disagree with that because they've been saying that since, like, 2003, and the RS has never showed up with all-wheel drive and high horsepower because Ford hates us. But there's more rumors, more news, and Road & Track just published a piece 
that said they have like really hardcore deep people who are inside Ford who have basically confirmed that like yeah and then when car and driver talks to somebody at Ford about this Ford's response was not no comment Ford's response was well this is built on the same platform that's underneath the uh, escape and as you can obviously see it wouldn't be hard for us to put a four-wheel drive system in this and the and that potential engine that you have mentioned is capable of those horse horsepower numbers. Yes, this is a thing that is doable. They didn't say they're doing it, but the most most importantly, they didn't say no. That's a lie. They said this is all things that can happen. This is stuff that could be done. And I'm like, yeah, this is this is a thing that could be done. That's fantastic. And apparently, from the highly trusted confirming sort of sources. Um, it will be coming to the U.S., albeit in very small, limited numbers. It should hit U.S. shores. It should be a U.S. legal car that you can go and buy. I will believe that when I see it. Again, that's many, always many, been my sort of thing about it. But How many units do you think they would bring over? I'm really thinking maybe 2,500. That's it? Yeah, it's. they're talking like extremely limited release. Um, and it would not surprise me if after dealer markup, this is like a $40,000 car, but this is like more, more horsepower, horsepower than an STI by a lot. And apparently an all new super fancy all wheel drive system that is being developed for this car. It's going to eventually make it to the rest of the lineup, but like, this is going to be the showcase for a fancy torque vectoring all wheel drive system. So, I mean, like, right, here they come. I am I am interested. I am intrigued. This would be like the perfect all-weather car. Again, and guess what? It won't get six and a half miles to the gallon. And it but won't cost you $120,000. I can't tow and, the world with it. Yeah, but you're never going to tow the world with whatever you buy. Nobody ever does. Yeah, I, I, I have a tow strap in my car that hooks to the world. <laughs> no. No, you don't. And your trailblazer will not tow the world. 4.2 liter of awesomeness, okay? It will not tow the world. It probably won't tow, tow my golf. Oh, I, w- I would rip your golf apart. No, you won't because my golf is actually – because cause my golf is Charmin. My golf is actually very well built and very heavy. It's very – You know, I, I, would, I would love to have a tug of war between my trailblazer and your golf. I, I really don't think that you would like the way that turned out. Um – Simply physics. I have very wide tires on the Golf. I have 64% of the weight over the front drive wheels, and that thing weighs like 3,700 pounds. It's actually really heavy for being a small hatchback. Plus diesel. How much torque do you have? I have 248 pound-feet at 1,400 RPMs. Okay. Uh, What kind of tires are you running? Uh, It's 225s. No, I could smoke you. I don't know, man. <laughs> Get smoky. Oh we might have to have a fun video for talking about cameras if Mark ever makes it back to Tennessee. Wait, wait. What uh, do you do? You have a uh, is it an open diff in the front? Uh, it's some sort of weird fancy diff thing. Oh yeah, I'll smoke you. I'll smoke you. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Yeah, I'll just uh, rip your your one inch receiver hitch out of your bumper. It's not one inches. It's one and a half. Hateful. 
class one, whatever it is. Oh my god! All right, you I can have awesome I haul things with my golf. Golf bags? No, like motorcycles and stuff, and trailers. I haul the trailer to the keys. So, anyways, so Ford has a new Focus RS that's coming. Should actually finally be awesome. Uh, let's talk about more Ford stuff that Mark wants to talk about, and I think he's a liar about it all, slightly. You haven't even heard my opinion about it. Well, sorry. Oh, no, because you didn't write the piece. Super. No, I didn't. I don't believe the piece. Okay. Well, okay. So it is rumored that Ford will put a 10-speed automatic unit in the upcoming Mustang. Um, obviously not at launch, but you know, sometime down the line. We don't really know a whole lot about it. It's just speculation at this point, but hey, still, that's pretty significant. Um, okay, sure. It would take six years to accelerate from first to tenth gear. It's like a big rig. And you're always going to be changing gear, and your your RPMs are never going to move. And it, it's going to sound like a CVT. <laughs> but, I mean, like, sure, it's going to get great gas mileage. Why not? And if it skip shifted, it'd be even better, uh, you know. Well, so so here's my real problem though: is with ten speed, like eight, I think is too many already. Like driving around in that Range Range Rover proved to me because I've, I've driven a couple of eight eight speeds, but driving in the Range Rover proved to me eight is too many. Just space the gears differently. Like that's it. Instead of ten gears. Take your 8-speed and move your 8th gear to where the 10th gear would be and just sort of space the other ones out a little bit. Because I hate shifting at 6 miles an hour and 11 miles an hour and 17 miles an hour and 21 miles an hour and 25 miles an hour and then 30 miles an hour and then 33 miles an hour and then freaking 40 miles an hour I can be in 8th gear. I'm like, why did I need 8? Why did I need 8 gears? Because then at 70 miles an hour, you're turning like 800 RPM. Well, right, but they could just shake those gears out a little bit. So instead of shifting eight times between first and 40, I shift eight times between first and 60. True. There's, there's the other two gears. Nine and ten is what gets you from 40 to 60. Or I could just space out my eight to get me to 60. See, here's the thing, though. If you have that big of a space, it's, that's going to start making the engine – change a little bit more, and that's going to up your NHV levels. And people are going to complain, oh, this is not smooth enough because it lurches and changes gear and it feels like an old slush box, and I don't like it. I'm going to go buy somebody else's product because I can't put my makeup on while I'm driving. See, putting so I couldn't put my my, my makeup on when I was driving the Range, the Range Rover because I had that Obvious. exact same complaint. I felt the damn thing was always changing gear. Always. That CF like, is a smooth unit. It is a smooth unit, but when you have 500 horsepower and noise, you can tell it's changing gear. And it was doing it all the time. Always. You want to go a little bit faster? I'm going to downshift for you. Twice. Why? You have 500 horsepower. Just use your horsepowers. Just move me. But it didn't change gears all the time. That's what manual mode is for. Yeah. Which it, it, it did stay in sport mode a fair bit. But it's still, it's like just, just, just no. I I also have a issue with packaging. Ten forward gears in a transmission seems like a lot of effort, especially in a car that's as small as the Mustang. Yeah, and I was gonna say too, that's gonna be really heavy, and in a Mustang that already is really heavy. Uh, it's, I think the Mustang is the lightest of the three. Between Mustang and Camaro Challenger. 
Um, yeah, but it's heavier than the previous generation. Well, name well most most cars are. They're, they are they they are getting better, but. Oh yeah, I, I have no doubt that the Mustang, the the 2015 Mustang is going to be the best Mustang yet. Zero doubt. Um, but you know, weight is the enemy of fun and fast. So. Everything. Weight. Weight is the enemy of all. Weight. You suck. Nobody likes you. Go home. Weight. Except in a, except in a tug of war. Yeah. Traction. <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah, that's the 10-speed transmission in the Ford Mustang. I just 10-speed so many gears. And I, I, I'm willing to bet there's going to be, as you, as you said, Mark, yeah, probably some sort the... of skip shift like, um, like I think it was the BMW uh, 4 Series, the 435 that I drove that had as either 7 or 8-speed, and it wasn't sequential. It was just whatever gear you need to go in, it shifted it to it. didn't have to go, okay, 5, 4, 3. It just went 5, 3. Three six. It didn't. It didn't have to go through every gear. But that so, negates the entire point. If no, 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 because no, 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 no. it adjusts with the throttle. That's what they. That's why they have a throttle position sensor. Feels how yeah. hard you're jamming into this thing. and says, okay, you're going easy. You want fuel economy? We're gonna tap through each and every gear to keep that torque torque peaked. Keep the horsepower where it needs to be, and keep the RPMs as low as possible while obtaining that maximum torque uh, while you're going. It keeps exactly. fuel economy. Keeps fuel economy high. I know, but when you when you stick your foot in the fan, the throttle position says, "Oh my God, he wants full throttle! Go, 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 go!" Okay, we're gonna convert to a five-speed unit. Bam, bam, bam. So it's gonna go first, third. Except they sixth, don't convert tenth. to the five-speed unit. Most but of them. By time, by time this comes out, it probably will be at that point. Let's hope. We're talking years down the road. You're talking GM so and Ford years. working together on it. It's so pointless. It it really is pointless. And as for weight, I mean, we're talking. What four extra? No, three extra clutch packs. Maybe that's really not much weight. I mean, clutch bag adding more clutch packs isn't much. Well, it's more clutch packs, and then you have to, the transmission has, has to package it larger to hold it. Um, yeah, I mean each clutch pack is probably what four inches long. So you're talking. It's, gonna be, it's a front-wheel drive car, rear-wheel drive, and the drive shaft is going to be this long because the transmission <laughs> goes all the way back in. Yeah. So think about that. If a clutch pack is four inches and you need to add three of them, you're looking at one extra foot of transmission. That's not going to be light. That's going to cause packaging issues. That's. Could you imagine how fat that transmission tunnel's got to be? Though? <laughs> the new 2015 Carfax 10-speed automatic transmission and three and a half inches of footwell space. <laughs> Whoop. Yeah. Just... So we should probably jump to our questions. Yeah, we probably should. Well, that's the end of our news that I have. But 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 yeah, it's been an hour already. So long show again, guys. It's oh, six great. months. Whatever. We're gonna do what we want. Take that. Holy crap, I have 64 comments on my Range, Range Rover review. That's People are interested in this thing. All right, let's go ahead. Questions and answers. Start with Darren007. Darren, guys, I would love to hear your bets regarding the release date of the new NSX. I think it will be somewhere near 27-5-2018. So that's the May 27th, 2018. That's um, a really specific day. I mean, like, that's, that's very. Hey, I mean. Darren, do you want to go ahead and just lay out a time for that? Like, eight <laughs> or nine o'clock? Well, no, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Well, I mean, so you know what? What is May twenty seventh, twenty eighteen? Let's ask my calendar real quick, and maybe it's like a certain day. 
May 27th, 20... Oh, that's 16. Uh, here we go. May 27th, 2018 is a Sunday. So beginning of the week. Sure, why not? Hmm. Um, I'm going to say that he's got the numbers right, but I'm going to say it's May 18th, 2027. 2020... Huh? I, I think he's yeah, got the numbers right, but instead of May 20, 27th, 2018, it's going to be May 18th, 2027, because this thing is never actually going to exist. <sighs> nah. Nah, I, I, think we're, I think we're much closer than we think. Um... I think we're much closer than we've ever been, but the single fact that we've been writing about this thing for, what, 10 years now? But it's it's never really been testing. It's never hit that phase yet. It's finally at that phase where it's hit we're that sitting phase on a freaking racetrack. It, it made it to that phase once, and it burst into flames. <laughs> Touche. Yeah, so there's a picture of an F1 or F350 like on the side of the road burning to flames. I don't think Ford's going to cancel the next Super Duty. No, because the next Super Duty is just an F-150 that's just a little bit stretched with a little bigger engine. What I'm saying... Well, that's is, completely wrong, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> not in a lot of ways. No. Which is why the F-350s make Ford so much money, because it doesn't cost them that much more money to engineer them after the base model F-150 is done. I know there is differences in materials and construction types, right. and a lot. This, this isn't a Ford debate. Go ahead. You're right. This isn't. But I'm just, I'm, I'm just saying that this car has been on the books and off the books so many times, and now we finally got to the point where, like, seriously, I, I, I wrote the piece about we have spy shots of this thing testing on the Nurburgring, and I'm like, this has to be a lie because I thought it would never reach this stage, and then 12 hours later, we're like, oh yeah, it caught on fire. Well, I, I think, you know, every test goes through tick-ups. That's a pretty big hiccup. But I don't think we're that far off. I think we are, I'm thinking we're looking more 2017-ish. I think we're going to see a production version roll out late, late, late next year, or early 2016. Yeah. And then we're going to actually see the production form come to dealerships in 2017, somewhere in that range. I mean, I would I would love to see it, but... We're at what our third concept prototype version of this machine now, or whatever. You know what? When it comes out, it's going to be perfect. Yes, we've had lots of time to debate. <laughs> See, I think it's going to end up being like the LFA. It's going to be really close to perfect, but they're going to have to charge so much money to pay for all that development cost, so nobody's going to buy one. Because the well, LFA is what three hundred eighty thousand dollars or something. Yeah, but they built it by hand in a factory. Like, come on. The LFA has a freaking F1 engine. Still doesn't make it worth 400 grand. Yeah. It's just... So, Darren, to answer your question, none of us know. Yeah. Yeah, none of us know. We just have a span of like 20 years. He thinks you're being late. I think you're being early. By a decade. <laughs> yes, by by a decade. I just I just know that something's going to happen. Han is going to be like, no, we're not going to build this anymore. And then in two years, you're going to be like, here's a new prototype version. This car is back on the books, and we've changed everything about it, and we're going to start from scratch. Hooray! Yeah. I want it to be here. I want it to exist. I am really excited about the concept of it. I guess I'm just so tired of being told that this is coming, and then it never comes. Me. This most sad face. <laughs> All right. Uh, Joey21. If you guys could choose any car for a long-term test, it's the only car that you would be allowed to drive for that period. 
what would that car be? He would go for an RS6. It takes all the boxes for his needs. Too bad he's not an auto journalist. Joey, you could be an auto journalist. I can tell you right now, if I called Audi and said, can I have an RS6 for a year, they'd laugh at me and hang up the phone. So <laughs> it doesn't quite work that way. I'll let you guys go first. Um, I would have to go for... I don't know, I'm kind of torn. I want the TTRS, but it's also so damn impractical. Um, you know, I'm just going to have to stick with my guns on that one. Instead of TTRS, because I have... I can find ways to haul other things around. I think the TTRS is a badass car. Wow, I just think they have it for a very long time. Yeah, but they don't make it anymore, so I don't really know if that qualifies. I mean, they're coming out with a new one. Yeah, I probably can't come out with a new one. Yeah, it's like 20, 2016, they're coming out with... No, 2015, it's the new TT. Yeah, the new TT and the TTRS. Right, but will there be a RS is the question. Well, they already yeah, released well, that Quattro I'm, concept thing that's pretty much going to be the TTRS. Yeah, I'm sure, it, I'm sure it'll be out for the 16 year. Like, they'll come with the TT first, and then they'll come with the TT, TTRS after that. No, be TT, so. then TTS. TTS is already out. <laughs> brand new, brand new, new model generation TTS isn't out. I'm, well, it's not out, but they already showed it, I thought. Oh. I just, I want there to be more TTRS, but back to that thing about weird things happening. TTRS used an engine that they don't really ever use for anything with that five-cylinder five turbo, and they only made 2,000 of them. Well, that sure didn't cover developmental cost. No, I guarantee you it probably did, because they charged a crap ton of money for them. I think they were $75,000. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. By the way, yes, the TTS has already been revealed. Oh, has it? Okay. Mm-hmm. It's revealed right along with the TT. All right. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Mark, what's, what's your question? You know, um, I, 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 it's probably just because he said it, but now I'm stuck on this Audi thing. I think a, a, an RS6 Avant would be a really great tool. Uh, I think that's yeah. the only thing they sell the RS6 right now is Avant. Yeah, but now they have the sedan too, don't they? No, not anymore. I don't. I don't believe. The old RS6, I believe, was a sedan. The current RS6, I think, is an Avant only. Yeah, I'm kind of looking at a picture of one right now, but it, it doesn't matter. Um, maybe, maybe the uh, the Cadillac CTS wagon, the old one, the V, that would be kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah, that would be cool. So, Hulte believes in yeah. me, by the way. He added into our comments, there are bigger chances of him meeting an extraterrestrial being than him living long enough to see the NSX. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, he knows what's up. The fan for the dramatic, that's okay. <laughs> I'm not the only one. Um, so, you want an RS6 wagon. So, I think for you, Mark, that's probably a smart choice. Yeah, I mean, it's... You're a child in your life, and yes. you live at a house by yourself. I live in a house with a wife who has a turbo diesel Volkswagen, so I want a Jaguar F-Type coupe because I don't need anything practical. I've got her to drive and do practical things in our practical car. I want to go fast all the time with all the noise, and I don't drive very often, so I don't have to worry about the gas it's going to cost me. So, Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of like me. My wife has a Kia. She can drive around, and I need the fast car. So wait, what was your choice? Jaguar F-Type Coupe. Oh, oh yeah, that would be good. Which one, the R? Uh, it has to be the R, right? Right. Well, so so what what I, I actually want, and I'm trying to stick to the general rule of being an auto journalist, and um, I want the supercharged extra 550 horsepower R version engine in the yeah. convertible. 
but that doesn't exist for us to have yet. Because no. as as journalists, when we get the cars that we get, they're all new models. So right now it's all 2014s or 2015s, and they're all either soon to be in production where you can buy or you can actually go and buy them right now, right now. So that's I'm I'm trying to stick to that general definition. And since I can't get the 550 horsepower version in the Roadster yet, I'm just going to take the coupe because that's if this was a thing that could happen, that's all I could get. Yeah, the coupe. I mean, see, I'm torn. Like, I want the convertible just to hear the noise, but then like, I kind of want the 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 coupe because I think it just looks better. Okay. No, no. Like the coupe looks. Oh god, the coupe is so good. But um, I'm I'm really a convertible guy. Like the amount of time I've spent in Miatas in the last two months. Like, I am a infinite headroom, sunshine and happiness. I'm a convertible guy. Plus noise, <laughs> noise, lots of lots of good noise. So all the noise. Yeah. So that, that's a good question, though. You know what? I actually have to redo mine because I wasn't thinking along the lines of it has to be available now. I was thinking just whatever. So right. I, that's why I was like DTR. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I got to modify mine then. Then I'm gonna go to the Aston. My other one was the Aston Martin Vantage S. Really? Vantage. Yes. The new one. The one with the the revised greasy bits. So so you know what you know what mine was was going to be originally. And until Aston Martin ruined it because they're hateful, is uh, the V12 Vantage convertible. Because the V12 Vantage Roadster, as far as I know, is the last car in the world that you can buy with the V12 and a manual transmission. But now that they have the new V12S, that's gone. See, I couldn't give two craps about a, about a manual transmission. Give me a, a fast-shifting automatic, I'm happy. No, because no, I'm not taking it to a racetrack. I'm, I'm driving it around the roads I, I have here. I want that extra level of engagement, which yeah. I know I don't get in the F-Type, but since I can't have my manual anyways, I'll take the F-Type. Yeah. I'd rather drive slower and have more visceral feeling than be faster and feel like I'm driving a GTR. Right, well, because most, most of the time, I'm, I'm, I usually only drive anywhere at five or six tenths. Like, I mean, that's like the max. I don't ever really push it. And so, I mean, just like... A quick Sunday drive, you know, it's still a leisurely Sunday drive, just at a slightly quicker pace. Like, that manual transmission is totally where it's at. Oh, so yeah. good. All right. Um, holy crap, I've done this for 100 hours. Daniel White, do you guys think Mazda will release a new Speed 3 anytime soon? Will it have a new engine? Really wish Mazda would go back to Zoom Zoom for a sec and forget about all the Sky Active stuff. Um, so I have a bunch to say about this. First of all, Daniel, I'm going to say if you want Mazda to go back to Zoom Zoom and stop messing with Skyactiv, you've not driven anything that Mazda's made in the last couple of years because Skyactiv is still 100% Zoom Zoom. Yeah. Except instead of Zoom Zoom with more power, it's just Zoom Zoom by less weight. Yeah, I mean, I've driven the, the Mazda 3 hatchback, and that has more than enough power um, that, that, than you need for that car. Yeah, Zoom Zoom is still totally in full effect. Like, seriously, mm -hmm. Zoom Zoom is 100% the core of Mazda's brand. They're just chasing it by making their cars a little tighter, a little better, weigh a little bit less, a little more efficient. Like, the, I, the idea behind Skyactiv is not, I mean, it is to save fuel, but the idea is to take a car that we have now, take the technology we currently have, and make it 
better. So they took a diesel engine and they set a world record for making the lowest compression diesel engine to increase fuel economy and all that sort of stuff that makes a diesel engine work. And then they took a gasoline and went the opposite direction. They made the highest compression mass production gasoline engine ever created with a 14 to 1 compression ratio. Like, they're taking these things and making it better. And then they've taken all their chassis design and they're using almost all aluminum and really super high strength materials to make them stronger than ever and lighter than ever. They're taking what we have now and just refining it and making it better. So instead of going, it'll take too much money to make a better engine, we're just going to make a hybrid system, like a lot of companies have done. They're like, no, 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 we're going to pump all of our money into making the absolute best gasoline engine we can, into making the absolute best manual and automatic trans transmission we can, into making the absolute best lightweight platform we can. Yeah. And all that together still gives you Zoom Zoom, mm -hmm. just in a slightly different way. So yeah. go and, drive one. Yeah, to answer his question... I don't think the Speed 3 is coming back. Um, I don't think there's a place for it. I don't think there's a market for it. And I think uh, Mazda has done enough with Skyactiv to, to to make people happy. If people want to zoom, zoom Mazda, like the, the real zoom, zoom, like he's talking about, they're going to go buy the Miata. You know, the Mazda Speed 3 was never a huge seller. So... Really, it doesn't make sense for them to do it, and really ruin the the whole the pro the progress they've made with Skyactiv. Um, I know that kind of goes against what I said with the Mazda Miata, but you know the Miata is kind of a different breed. So I think back to his original question: Will will there be another Speed Three? Um, I think there's a good chance, and I actually think it depends on if I'm wrong about the Miata or not. Which so me and Justin, as you may know are at opposite ends of the spectrum on what's going to power the brand new Miata, which, by the way, is going to be released in like five yes! or six days. and I'll be on vacation. So Justin <laughs> thinks that the new Miata is going to have a turbocharged engine, and I think he's an idiot. Um, but, <laughs> but if a turbo, like a Turbo 1.5 with 220 horsepower or something crazy like that comes to the Miata, I see no reason why they will not drop that thing inside of the 3 and make a new Mazda Speed 3. Because all the work is done and paid for. The amount of engineering money that would go into putting that engine inside of a Mazda 3 is probably not a super huge ton, especially if they were designing it from the beginning to replace their current 2.3 turbo. So I think it's a potential possibility. I also think that they may just make a new one because I know that that 2.3 will still fit inside the engine bay of the current well, Number one, you're freaking nuts if you think they're going to take a 1.5 liter turbo, 220 horsepower, drop it in the Mazda Speed 3 and call it a Mazda Speed 3 because that's not a Mazda Speed 3. Not enough power. The Mazda 3 is too heavy. It fits in a Miata because the Miata is small. You're talking about probably a 500-pound swing between the Miata and the Mazda 3. Right, but that would still make the Miata faster and more fun. And let's be honest, the Mazda Speed 3 does not need 256 horsepower. It doesn't. It needs 220. That's, like, I, I, I'm assuming, Daniel, that you've driven a Mazda Speed 3. I drove one once, too. My forearms grew by six inches by the time I was done. <laughs> <laughs> Little torque steer? Torque steer's like a pig. <laughs> Holy crap. Yeah, they uh, they take some finesse. That much short steer, <laughs> never. They take a little bit of finesse. Oh man, no, uh, no, there, there is no finesse. You drive that thing like it's a hammer. Just... <laughs> <laughs> so I think because the new Mazda three is lighter than the old one, I th I think two twenty to two twenty five will do it. 
Yeah, and I, and I hope they prove me wrong because I love the Mazda Speed 3. I always did. I think it looks sexy with the Kodo bodies that I, body. I just don't see a business plan behind it. And I hope they prove me wrong because I want the new Miata to be a manual or to be naturally asp- aspirated and not have a turbo. <laughs> All right, we have one more question. Alan Miller, guys, what are your thoughts on buying a used luxury car? I mean, you can buy an S Class or an A8 for six or seven thousand, or for less than six or six or seven thousand dollars with decent mileage, and it would come loaded with tech. It might be older tech, but still really good stuff. Or should I spend twenty to thirty thousand dollars on a new car from the compact class that hasn't the same interior quality, refinement, or power, but it's new and has a warranty? So I'm going to adjust his question just slightly because he says for less than six or seven thousand dollars, if you're paying six grand for an S Class or thirty thousand dollars for a new car. That's a stupid question um, for a lot of reasons in a, a lot of ways. So I'm going to go with, let's say, the low end. Let's say you can get a used S-Class A8 for 20k, or should he spend 25 or so for a new car? That's, that's what we're going to narrow it down to because I think that's going to be the more interesting question. <sighs> wow. Yeah. I shake my head because I've, I've rinsed out enough cars and enough foreign cars to know that – once you start accumulating mileage on these Audis and BMWs and Mercedes, things get expensive and things get broken quick. And you don't really want to deal with it. And if you're paying, you know, to his question, six to $7,000 for a car, I think your money's more well spent buying a, a $25,000 or $30,000 Hyundai with really good build quality and it's not going to break on you for the next 100,000 miles than dumping your money into a car that you're going to be in the shop with every day of the week. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I come from the same background as Mark. I've twisted wrenches on luxury cars way more than I'd ever like to talk about. Seen zillions of people say, oh, dude, I just picked up a, a, a five-year-old three-series for 10 grand. Woohoo! awesome. Oh, wait, everything's broken. You know, the, the BMW said that famous, uh, the, the, the red LED screen would break on them, and that's like a $700 fix. And, and then the motor mount shatter, that's another... 600 bucks and they really add up and when you get in the german cars yeah the parts are basically the same but they have that brand name on them so they mark them up like 10 times so you have that issue and yeah like like mark said you can go buy a a very well-equipped hyundai or well-equipped kia or even a decently equipped honda accord for around that same price and have new technology you're not dealing with the old several year old technology that sucked you know Look, the navigations nowadays suck bad enough. The voice recognition nowadays sucks bad enough. Four or five years ago, it was freaking unbearable. I mean, you couldn't live with them. So to go back to that yeah, in a new car that someone else has already sat their ass in before just doesn't feel right to me. Yeah, and like for me, like this week, I'm in a 2015 Hyundai Sonata Turbo. This is a brand new car. It, it has, It's all new. It has great looks. The interior, I swear, it's just as good as the Audi S5 that I was in a month or two ago. I'm not lying. Like, sure, the metal bits don't feel as good, but the leather, the way the dash feels, the steering wheel, the the stitching and everything, it looks fantastic. It feels just as good. And the the sticker price for this car is $29,000. And it's got 247 horsepower, something like that. It's quick. And you're getting a warranty. That's the best part. 100,000 miles. Yeah, when we went and looked at my Kia... 
um, we were looking at a used uh, Optima, the, the top of the line used Optima, like an SXL or something like that. Beautiful, every single feature you could ever want. We went with the mid-range uh, uh, Forte 5 because it was the same price, 100,000 mile warranty, and I got the bumper to bumper 100,000 mile warranty for, for the exact same out the door price. You know, I, I always say take warranty, take new over nice used. Always, always, always. So, yeah. well, let's hang on. That that comes with a lot of caveats. So, like, oh, yeah. if you're going to spend your money wisely and say, look, I've got 20 grand, how do I spend it? You know, yeah, I don't have a cent more than that. Well, you don't want to be locked up in the shop paying repair bills for a nicer car that's older that's got problems versus a newer younger car that might not be as nice but it ain't gonna break on you like take what you want Christian what's your um, so take everything that they say um, and then I would apply personal preference to it so I I always tell people it's about being informed and understanding what's going to happen so I think if you instead of spending 30k on a new car, you want to spend 20k on a really nice older car that you really like. Fine, but understand completely that that other $10,000 you saved, you didn't save. That $10,000 is going to be used to keep this thing on the road. Expensive cars are expensive to drive. Like, sure, if you want to, you can pull open a car magazine and find a Lamborghini for sale in the back of it for 35 or 40 grand or whatever, or some old Ferrari or whatever, fine. But guess what? Just because it was cheap to buy doesn't make it any cheaper to run or keep running. Yeah. So that's that's just something to keep mm-hmm. in the back of your head. If you if you are hearts, you know what? You love the way an S-Class looks. You love the way the seats are. You love having all that extra engine horsepower. You love all the features. Fine. But again, know that that $10,000 you saved by going with a $20,000 S-Class instead of a $30,000 Kia, that $10,000 is going to go to keep that S-Class on the freaking road. Yeah, so and if you jump in prepared for that, I think it's okay. Yeah, and, and do your homework too. Like look at like Consumer Reports and something like that You know, where like they do the longer-term um, reviews on them or whatever and, and look at owner forums and like go to a Mercedes S-Class and like – you know, look at what the problems are having. Are they expensive problems or are they cheap problems? You know, are they big or are they small? Like, well, what kind of things are going wrong with the car? So, I mean, yeah. you know, that's that's always a good place to start too. Do your yeah. research. Yeah. Also, and keep in mind wear wear items. Like, yeah, that's what I was just about to say. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, if you buy a Kia with 15-inch tires that are running one one eighty-five width. Those are going to be cheap to replace versus an S-Class with 19 or 20-inch tires that's running a 245. You know, brake pads, oil changes. Like, the amount of money you could spend on an oil change would probably frighten some of you guys if you looked at stuff. So my Golf is a great example, Um, and I tell anyone who's talking about buying a diesel to buy my Golf to change oil. There is a very, very specific oil that you have to buy that is a very low, that is very low burning, very low soot style oil. And there are two or three, I think, that you can buy by major companies that fit this standard to put oil in my car. If I put anything else in it, my engine can tank and it will not be covered in any way, shape, fashion, or form under warranty because I used the wrong oil. Okay, it has to be VW 507-00 approved or whatever. And it's $13 a quart. That's the cheapest place I can find it. $13 a quart. So, yes, I only need five quarts. Actually, I only need like four and a bit. But 
it's more money than you might think you'd have to spend. So always look at little things like that that may add up and cost you're not prepared for. Yeah, and then there's other big maintenance items that, that we didn't really touch on. You know, if you're buying a, a couple-year-old S-Class or, or, or 3 Series or whatever, you got to look into, I'm not sure if they're built or change of them, but you got to look into that timing belt. 60,000 miles, that's about the average length of a timing belt these days, especially on high-strung turbocharged engines, about 60,000 miles. You're looking at transmission flush with that specialized transmission fluid that's $100 for all, all 12 courses that it's going to take. So there's all these other things you have to really take into consideration and look at the mileage, look at the maintenance that's been done on it. And there's so many variables in buying a used car. Yeah, so, but you know, I have the answer. I have the answer for him. So he wants a, ni a nice Mercedes or he wants something luxury, but he doesn't have a lot of money to spend. Buy the CLA. 29.9. There you go. Brand new. And it's got a warranty. I don't know if I agree with that question or with, with that answer. It's a brand new car under warranty for under $30,000, and it has a star on the front. Well, also keep in mind that's under $30,000. Go to a dealership and try to buy one for under $30,000. There you go. <laughs> and you also run into the issue of more than luxury and all that sort of stuff. There's like a space issue. Look, I can have an S-Class. Rick, have it. CLA. <laughs> so. Yes, but it's got a Mercedes badge on it. Yeah. All right. Own drive burn. <laughs> That's my favorite part of the show. That's why I put it at the end so you people will watch me. Um. Uh. So Darren 007 at once again. So this is from two weeks ago. It's our last <laughs> own drive burn from two weeks ago. Um. I have something for own drive burn. Some epic hot hatches. So we have a Mark One VW GTI. We have a Peugeot 205 GTI, or we have a Renault 5 Turbo 2. Mark, you're first, buddy. Burn them all and walk. <laughs> and Mark got well. Mute no, I, I, I would drive the golf, I think, out of all of them. But yeah, I, I, I just like, holy crap! I, the Renault. I'm, wow! I, that thing looks like someone just threw up, and a car formed. Yeah, it looks terrible. It, it looks terrible. And the, um, yeah, the, the Peugeot, I mean, I see here it was it was rated uh, Car of the Decade by Car Magazine in 1990. Woohoo! Wow. We have a new, a new viewer in our live stream. Hello, Brian. He is a friend of mine from the local Knoxville area. So welcome. Brian. Well, you joined in the most terrible time because we're talking about some Abysmal cars. He said the answer would be on it. No, no, we are not talking about abysmal cars. No, there's not. They're not all crappy. They're not all crappy. None I have of, none of them are crappy. No, there's one crappy one. I'm sorry. There's I, one that's crappier than the I, other two. I have a fine right. line. Very Justin. Justin, what's I up? I am. I am going to. It was pretty easy for me after looking them all up. I'm of course gonna. I'll drive the Golf GTI until the wheels fall off because they're cheap to fix. They last forever. It's a Volkswagen. Beautiful. I can find parts in a junkyard somewhere. All right. The uh, the one I want to drive once is Renault 5 Turbo 2. Because I mean, come on. That is. I'm sorry, but it's it's freaking ugly. Yes. But remember, I drove a Mercur XR4Ti for a year and a half. This thing doesn't hold a candle to the ugliness that is the Mercur XR4Ti. I would love to have an XR4Ti. <laughs> it, was, it was an awesome car that was so shittily built 
that it was just scary driving. It's like, whoa, all this power. Oh, shit, I can't stop. I can't stop. <laughs> that's, that's, that's about as close as you can get to a, uh Escort Cosworth here. In the yeah, US. it pretty much is almost the same thing, different little different bits here and there. It's pretty close, though, yeah. Yeah, that is a pretty terrible um, car. And actually, it ended up, my sister ended up putting it into the back of a Lincoln because she had quarter. It doesn't have good brakes, put it right in the back end of the Lincoln. I was, and it just smashed into nothing. Oh, I'm yeah, sure. it was nothing at that straight <laughs> junkyard. It was one of, like, five in my hometown. Holding a steering wheel. Yeah, exactly. They're really cool, though, because when you hit the red line, it had this cool little buzzer. went, eh, when you got too close to the red line. <laughs> it was great. That does not sound cool at all. That sounds no, like... No, so funny. Anywho, and I would have to drive the Renault Turbo 5. I mean, 60 miles an hour and 6.6 seconds from this old hatchback. Come on, that's just fun. Fun to drive, but I don't have to fix it. It's ugly. It's just cool. It's my kind of car. And the, the Peugeot, or whatever you want to call it, burn it, roll it down a hill, put it in a lake somewhere, whatever, just get rid of it, keep it out of my life. I don't want to mess with it. I owned one Peugeot in my life. I was a 506, I think, the sedan. It was over when I lived overseas. It was a piece of junk. Never want to own another one again, and I don't want to own this. Wow. So, okay. Um, so, Mark, <laughs> you're wrong in every way, and Justin, you're right in basically every way. Um, so, yes, obviously, if you're going to own one of these three, you've got to own the classic GTI. You have to own the car that in the hot hatch. You have to. You have to own it. Now, when it comes to the other two, so I love that the Peugeot is a very solid competitor performance-wise to what the GTI is. It's that same sort of light, nimble, fun but it's like the GTI, and I already have the GTI. That's what I'm owning, so whatever, that can just be burned. And then, yeah, I have to drive at least once and hope I survive the insanity that is the Renault 5 Turbo 2 because, I mean, it's, it's just like, I have a really terrible idea to make a car, and somebody in France went, sure, have fun! <laughs> they, oh, you maybe. want big vents on the back of it? Sure, put big vents on the back of it. Oh, you want big fog lights on it? Sure, here's some fog lights. Whatever you want to. Oh, wow, hold on. We have some things going on in our chat real quick. Uh-oh. Brian says the Renault's an amazing car. The R5 did really well on the rally circuit. It did do well on the rally circuit, even though it's nearly impossible to drive. Um, Cyprian said the 205 GTI did also good in rally, and the Golf is the only one of the three to suck as far as rallying goes. True, the Golf was not a great rally car, but it wasn't created to be a great, great rally car. It was created to be a practical car that would be fun to drive. That's why it created the hot hatch genre. Um, and then Brian agrees with everything that Cyprian says, and then Brian says he doesn't think Mark is a hatch fan. No. That's because no. Mark's an idiot and owns an SUV. Like all America. <laughs> you know what Brian owns because he's an intelligent human being? A Mazda Miata. 3 hatch. Genius. So, and guess what? He can put kids in it. Mark or Brian, Brian has 5 kids and he does just fine without an SUV. He's a man. <laughs> you know? Wow. He, his wife probably owns an SUV, but I really hope she doesn't. But whatever. He owns a Mazda 3 because he's an intelligent guy. He's going to be like, wife owns an excursion. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just imagining where he's going to put five kids in a, in a Mazda 3 because like, yeah. owns one. I'm thinking, okay, three, three across in the back. No, what he does is he just lays the back seats down and says, get in, kids. <laughs> No, my, my stepdad owned a or my ratchet straps holding down. <laughs> my ex stepdad owned a Mazda RX-7. Okay, and we all were going from Pennsylvania to West Virginia for I can't remember why we were going there, and we wanted to take the RX-7. Well, there were three of us, so yours truly got to sit in the back, under the hatch like this, 
for yeah, about 45 minutes. <laughs> That's the best. Like, we used to do crap like that all the time. Uh, yeah, I, I can say I have ridden in the luggage compartment of a C3 Corvette before. <laughs> That's tight. I was like 10. But I, I remember it. at one point, me and my two younger brothers somehow managed to convince my parents that removing the back seats from the minivan would be a great idea, and we built, like, a pillow fort back there, and we just, like, hung out in the back of this pillow fort in the back of the minivan with no seats. <laughs> like, I mean... Car seats are terrible. Yeah. It just removes memories from kid to memories. See? No, Brian says, Mazda 3 is a blast, no SUV, one car family. Take that, world! Wow. I, I challenge Brian... Get all five of your kids in the car and your wife and take a picture for me. I want to see probably, your... Yeah, I, probably I really want to see that too. <laughs> Lay the back seats down. He's done it. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, you're my hero. Holy uh, crap, dude. Uh, wow. Anyways, all right. We've been I, on... Yeah, I, I just want to see that, man. I really want to see that. Brian, please, please submit a picture We've of your entire family. We've been on an hour and 32 minutes. One hour, 32 minutes, and 36 seconds. We need to stop this madness. All right, wait. I have one more thing. Does anyone know what day it is? It's an important day for automotive history. Thursday the 28th. Think future. It's Thursday. No. The 2015 Ford Mustang started production today. Just want to throw that out there. And in future news... That's important, boring. Come on. It's important. Lived, and Mark will never have another girlfriend. <laughs> good, good. I don't need one. I, I love the one I have. If she sees this podcast, she's going to leave you for being the most boring person in the world. Well, but then we can... Never mind. I'm not going to go. I'm going to drop that The one. Mustang. The Mustang is starting production today. That means we can now go to the dealer in a few months but and just see them. Just stop. Driving. So, again, this is something that I've, I've worked on in my personal life because I used to be the most boring person in the world. Take, take that statement and just imagine if you walked into a, an establishment, a restaurant, a bar, something, and you wanted to meet some new people, and you walked up and you said, you know what today is? Today's the start of production for the new 2015 Mustang. They'd look at you like you were an idiot, and they would walk away, and you would have no friends. You know, if I knew the production date for the 65 Mustang, and I walked to a Mustang meet, and I said that, they'd be like, you're the smartest man in the world. Because, be, uh, but that's... They'd buy you a beer. And I'm like, the Mustang yes. meet, not to normal people. Yeah. That's like yes, we are not Norse Convention people. dressed as a stormtrooper <laughs> and then walking to a bar dressed as a stormtrooper. Hey, I'm still cool, right, guys? We are not normal people. We are journalists of the automotive genre. Right. We we are not normal. Uh, right. Argument's over. Okay. No, no, suck at life. Just end this podcast. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> I'm hungry. Normal. And that's the problem is because we aren't normal, we can have issues with other people who we aren't. We have censors. <laughs> <sighs> I give up. All right. Anyways, let's go ahead and we'll we'll go ahead and wrap this thing up. I'm gonna play some music and then the show's gonna be over. Um, as always, thank you everyone who joined us uh, live. Thank you for watching. Thank you Holty. Thank you Cyprian. Thank you Brian. Thank you anyone else who's watching and doesn't comment. We love you all. Thank you everyone who watches and listens to this later. Don't yeah, forget, sure. we always need questions. Yes. We always need own drive burn suggestions. I only have one own drive burn suggestion in the queue waiting to be used, and that was dropped off last last week. Thank you for that. So if we don't get anything, we're going to run out of things to talk about. I mean, it's not just news. I know you guys like the other stuff better, but we think the news is cool because we're boring people, so that's what we want to talk about. So yeah. we do the news for us. We do everything else for you guys, so give us something to do for you. Um, as always, you can reach us in the comments. You can reach us on email. Email is super simple. It's podcast at topspeed.com. 
If you want to reach us on the Twitters, it is at TopSpeedPodcast. Again, we try to make this as easy as we can for you guys. Uh, if you want to reach me on Twitter, you can find me directly at Moford. That is M-O-E-F-E-R-D. You can find Justin at The Car Junkie. You can find Mark at Mark McNabb. Otherwise, it's been a wonderful, wonderful show. We hope everyone has a great Thursday, an incredible Friday, and a super-duper awesome weekend. It is a holiday weekend, so please stay safe. Don't drink. Don't drive. Don't do anything stupid. We want you guys to survive Monday. We well, want you can you drink and you can drive, but don't drink and drive. <laughs> I, apparently, I'm the only one that doesn't know what holiday is coming up. It's Labor Day on Monday, Labor buddy. Day. Oh, so you can come into work if you like. I'm not going to be here. You can. Oh, okay, okay. Well, yeah, I, I'm going to be either. I'm going to be at a car museum in Atlanta. So. Oh, look at you. Yeah. Well, it's wow. a normal museum that has a car exhibit that's in Atlanta. Oh, that sounds exciting. All right, then. Yep. Cool. Anyways, again, thank you guys. Please, everyone, stay super safe. We love you all. We want to see you back next Thursday for our next live show. So make sure you're actually able to come back and do that. So yes. When 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 the music is done, the show is over. Bye, friends. Maybe. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. <laughs>